Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. in verse 20 of our text this morning. And the winepress was trampled outside the city, and blood came out of the winepress. Notice, he's likening this harvest, this, this reaping of the earth, he's, he's likening it to a, a grape harvest. The storms may come, I am holding on to the rock I clean. How can I keep from Welcome, everyone, to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's Truth in Christ Radio with senior pastor and teacher, Rob Kellogg. Today, we learn the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ as a harvest. The image of the second coming of Jesus as a harvest is also communicated in Matthew 13, verses 24 through 30, and verses 36 through 43, with the parable of the wheat and the tares. Jesus' parable teaches us that true believers will not be separated from those who just merely go to church until the final harvest. Lord, we thank you for revealing your plan during the last days. Now let's join Pastor Rob with today's study. Anyone that we know to go through. This is the compassion. We have to get over ourselves in the sense of sharing things like this. Because nobody wants to share that. You can lovingly tell them, but they must be told. They must be told the bad news and the good news. And maybe preferably in that order, we must tell them. We must tell them. So he who sat on the throne, verse 16, thrust in his sickle on the earth, and the earth was reaped. And so this is a judgment. And as we look at verses 17 through 20, this speaking expressly about God pouring out his wrath upon the vine of the earth. Now this is interesting because it says, notice, another angel came out of the temple, which is in heaven, also having a sharp sickle. And another angel came out from the altar who had power over fire, and he cried with a loud voice to him who had the sharp sickle, saying, Thrust in your sharp sickle and gather, notice, the clusters of the vine of the earth, for her grapes are fully ripe. Fully ripe. They are mature. They're ready to go. Not like the dried up stuff that we talked about before. This word for ripe is a little bit different. It's right at that point where it's the juiciest. (laughs) when that peach that you pull off the tree in Canandaigua in the summer and it's just bursting and it's just like dying to be eaten. And you, you know the kind when you just put your finger on it and it kind of dents in a little bit? You know what's happening. You know how good that is and you have to eat it over the sink because it's spli- splashing all over you, dripping down your elbows. And you just hold yourself down. But anyway, I digress. So, see, this is good that we inter- <laughs> put a little levity in here because this is tough. 
But notice, thrust in your sickle and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth. Now some believe that this could be referring to unbelieving Jews, because certainly the Jews were known as the vine. We see that in, in verses, the verse uh, Psalm 80, you have brought out... You have brought a vine out of Egypt. You have cast out the nations and planted it. And then in verse 14, Return, we beseech you, O God of hosts. Look down from heaven and see and visit this vine. The vine is Israel. But this may not be Israel. It says the vine of the earth. And there are other chapters and verses we could look at, but we're not going to take the time to go there. But you can write those other two down that talks about uh, possibly Israel being the vine. But really what this is setting up, I believe, is the true vine versus the vine of the earth. We know that Jesus is the true vine. He said so himself in John chapter 15. He says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Jesus is the true vine, but there's also, whenever there's a true vine, there is also a false vine. The vine of the earth, what is that possibly? It could be speaking of the Antichrist and this false religious system that he is going to be overseeing. And this political and economic one world government, the new world order, believe me, it's going to find its summation in this time. That's why we have to resist it now. The new world order is not a good thing. We saw it back in Genesis chapter 11 with Babel. Believe me, whenever, when there's a one world order, it is never good. It is always, we're asking for totalitarianism. We're asking for despots. We're asking for, um, what's the word, uh, draconian measures. Have you experienced some of those of late? I think we have. It's going to be to the nth degree when that comes. But I believe this true vine is setting up a difference, a comparison to the vine of the earth, which I believe is more likely the Antichrist. And these clusters of grapes are probably those that are a part of the apostate church at that time. People who've gone to church and they never received Christ, they, they hardly ever get into the Word. They have no desire to worship Jesus. They just kind of go through the motions. And then they finally are just willing to accept anything that anybody tells them instead of searching it out like a Berean in the Word of God. So now their hearts are completely... They don't know what they believe because now they got there's all these people have left the earth, have been removed, and here we are. Now this guy is showing miracles and signs. Wow, it must be the guy. He must be the one. We've got to worship him because nobody can do that. You get my point? We're being prepared. And there's so many people in churches all across our land, all across the world, that don't know Christ. They sit in pews, they make offerings, they do good things, and they might even be good people. But God is not going to send a, you know, he's not going to, um, it doesn't matter whether you're a good person or not. You could be a great person. You could give all your money to the church. It won't make a difference when, he stand, when you stand before him and he says, well, but what did you do with my son? That's the one thing, the one thing that sets us free is Jesus. If we don't have his blood upon us, there is no hope for us. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how many times you've walked Virginia Root across the, the road you know, and, and helped her and carried in her groceries and given her Kindle gift cards. It doesn't matter. If you don't have Christ upon you, there's no hope for you. No matter what, you could have given billions of dollars. George Soros could get, you know, he could say, you know, I'm going to give all my money to the church because I want to feel good about who I am. Fine. Start here. (laughs) No, just kidding. Um, We don't want his money. No amount of money is going to get you to heaven. The vine of the earth. 
So, verse 19, the angel thrust his sickle into the earth and gathered the vine of the earth and, and threw it, notice, into the winepress of the wrath of God. This is speaking of what we believe is Armageddon. In fact, let me read some verses to you in Joel chapter 3. This is amazing. Write these down because you can look at them. And it is going to be a horrible time. Armageddon is no easy thing. When we were in Israel just uh, in March, February and March, you know, we, we go to Armageddon. You see the valley. I, I, I didn't have time to find the pictures and put them up, but it's amazing. Napoleon once visited that area, and he said this would be the perfect place for a battle. And there is going to be a battle there. And, and just to be driving through the road, right through the middle of that Armageddon Valley, it's really Har Megiddo, which is, um, uh, it's a tell. There, there, there's a, a, it's a long story, but there's many civilizations uh, built up and, and they're, they're kind of destroyed and they build another on top. But it's really a tell. But it's right there in the valley and it's beautiful. The Israeli army, the Air Force has got an air base right in the center of it. And you can be on Mount Carmel looking down upon it and you can see the Israeli F-16s or F-24s, whatever they are, come out of the hornet's nest underneath the ground. Little levers bring them up on the floor and they, they take off like a hornet. They come back and they land and they disappear in the middle of this valley. And to know that this valley is going to be the valley that the Antichrist and his armies are going to be flooding into to come down, starting in the north, coming down to the south to destroy Jerusalem and all the Jews. The Antichrist, filled with rage, he just hates them so badly. Sort Sort of like the press hates our president. The Antichrist hates the Jews, that that hatred. But notice in Joel chapter 3, For behold, in those days and at that time, and and, and Joel is prophesying of the time that we're looking at right now, when I bring back the captives of Judah and Jerusalem, I will also gather all nations and bring them into the valley of Jehoshaphat, which is that Jezreel Valley, which is right, it's the valley of Jehoshaphat, it's that, that area right in between the two mountain ranges going all the way up to the north, right from Jerusalem, uh, between the, the, the Temple Mount and the uh, the Mount of Olives, there's a, there's a valley there, the, the Valley of Jehoshaphat, and that valley goes all the way up to the north, all the way up to the Valley of Armageddon. The Armageddon Valley, it's a nice little pathway for an army to come down, very well suited for that kind of thing. And he says, I'll bring them into the Valley of Jehoshaphat, and I will enter into judgment with them there on account of my people, my heritage, Israel, God says, whom they have scattered among the nations, they also have divided my land. Has any, have, have nations been trying to divide the land of Israel and make it into two st- separate states? God says, that's my land. Stay away from it. What does it say? In Joel chapter, same, same chapter, verse 11. Assemble and come, all you nations, and gather all around. Cause your mighty ones to go down there, O Lord. Let the nations be weakened and come up to the valley of Jehoshaphat. For there I will sit to judge all the surrounding nations. Put in the sickle, here it is. For the harvest is ripe. Come, go down, for the winepress is full. The vats overflow, for their wickedness is great. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision, for the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. There is going to be a great slaughter in that valley, and it's going to be so horrific. The Antichrist and all of his armies, even men from the east are going to come over, and it's going to be a bloodbath. It is going to be one of the worst scenes in history. It's going to make the Holocaust of Germany of Nazi Germany, look like a child's play. 
In Revelation, we're going to look at this in a few weeks, in, in chapter 16, verse 12, it speaks of this time period, the, ba- the, valley of, uh, the battle of Armageddon. What does it say in verse 12? Then the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates, which you know it separates really the east from the Middle East, and so, or the Far East. And so it says that the angel is going to pour out his bowl on the river Euphrates and its water was dried up so that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs coming out of the mouth of the dragon, speaking of the devil, out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet, for they are spirits of demons, notice, performing signs which go out to do what? Go out to the kings of the earth and of the whole world to do what? To gather them to the battle of that great day of Almighty God. We're speaking about that right now. Behold, I'm coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. And here it is. And they gather them together to the place called in the Hebrew Armageddon. There it is. In Zechariah chapter 14, Zechariah, an Old Testament prophet. He sounds so New Testament. Sometimes I forget he's in the Old Testament. But Zechariah says, Behold, the day of the Lord is coming, and your spoil will be divided in your midst, for I will gather all the nations to gather against Jerusalem. Notice that. The city shall be taken, the houses rifled, and the women ravished. Half of the city shall go into captivity, but the remnant of the people shall not be cut off from the city. And then the Lord will go forth and fight against those nations as he fights in the day of battle. Here it is. He's going to be going on to Basra. He's going to take care of business down there, bring up his remnant from there. In the Lord, in that day, he will stand on the Mount of Olives, which faces Jerusalem on the east, and the Mount of Olives shall be split in two from east to west. You've heard this before, making a very large valley. It's going to be a bloodbath. And notice in verse 20 of our text this morning, and the winepress was trampled outside the city, and blood came out of the winepress. Notice, he's likening this harvest, this, this reaping of the earth, he's, he's likening it to a, a grape harvest. And what they would do in those days, and you can see uh, these kind of uh, olive, and, uh, they're olive and grape presses in Israel. And you, we, you see many of them when you go. And they would either put the grapes in the big bin and they would get in there and they would step on them or they would have a, a, a something that would crush it and the, 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 the grape juice would run out a little hole on the side. He said he's likening the slaughter to that. He said it's just going to be gushing out. When those first, that first pressing, man, it's just all coming out. It's just little pieces here. Sorry to be so graphic. But it's going to be ugly. It's going to be ugly. And notice, the blood came out of the wine press up to the horse's bridles for 1,600 furlongs. 1,600 furlongs. We don't have time to um, go to um, some other places. But turn with me. Turn with me now to Revelation 19 because we're going to finish up here almost. Bear with me. The Bible has a lot to say, and there's even more, but we're just look, highlighting some of the big parts. Revelation 19, verses 11 through 21. Again, the battle of Armageddon, and it's going to be at its apex when Christ comes back with all of us. Notice what it says. Verse 11, Now I saw heaven open. And I don't know about you, but this is the part, man, it just brings tears to my face. This is what I'm longing. I'm longing for the rapture first, but I'm looking forward to the day when this happens. Not because of the bloodshed, not because of the horrible things that are going to happen to those armies, those men, and those people. I don't have any joy in my heart for the Antichrist, the false prophet, and the devil. They're, 
They can go to their place. Thank you very much. But you know what? To come back with Christ, where he will rule and reign for a thousand years, on this earth, in this Jerusalem that is currently sitting over there right now, he is going to set up his millennial reign there for a thousand years, a thousand literal years. Notice, I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on him was called Faithful and True. Excuse me. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire. And on his head were many crowns, these diadems, because he's the king of kings and lord of lords, right? He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood. And his head, what is called, or excuse me, hard to see through these tears in my eyes. And his name is called what? The Word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. That's you and me, folks. We're coming back with him. And we're not going to be outfitted with 44 magnums and glocks. No, this is going to be something that he is going to take care of all by himself. We are just going to witness it. He's going to, with a word. I mean, think about it. He spoke and he said, he spoke and he created the heavens and the earth. And he said, oh, it's good. I made light. He spoke and it happened. Believe me, he can speak, and all this can happen at once. He can devastate the whole thing by just saying, you cease to exist. It's done. It could be that simple. He doesn't need to lift a sword. He doesn't need to do anything. But notice, now out of his mouth, it says, and the armies in heaven clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that which, uh, and obviously that's symbolic, of course, that with it he should strike the nations, and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written. I love this. Oh, God. (laughs) King of kings and Lord of lords. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying, To all the birds that fly in the midst of heaven, come and gather together for the supper of the great God that you may eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses, and of those who sit on them, and the flesh of all people, free and slave, both small and great. And I saw the beasts, the kings of the earth, and their armies gathered together to make war against him who sat on the horse and against his army. And the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet who worked the signs in his presence. Notice, and these two were cast into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone, and the, re- and the rest were killed with the sword which proceeded from the mouth of him who sat on the horse, and all the birds were filled with their flesh. This is a horrible scene. This is the judgment, finally, of God. But notice that it says there in the last verse of verse 20 that it's going to be 1,600 furlongs, which is approximately 180 miles. And just so you know, up in uh, the Valley of Armageddon, all the way down to Basra in Edom, where God, where Jesus is going to come back and rescue those 144,000, that range between that area to the Mount of Megiddo is roughly about 180 miles, which is really roughly what this is. 1,600 stadia, 1,600 furlongs, roughly 180, maybe 200 miles. That's about how the distance of that is. It's incredible how accurate the word of God is. Can you trust it? Has he been faithful? Has he been faithful to you? And finally, let's end with this. This is an evil harvest. 
that God is going to. These are horrible judgments that God is going to bring. But there is a harvest yet before us. What did Jesus say in John chapter 4, verse 35? He says, Do not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that which you have not labored. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labors. See, that's what it is when you share the gospel with somebody. Isn't it wonderful? That's the harvest. The harvest is ripe. And believe me, after this election, there are going to be a lot of hurting people in our country. It may be the Republicans. It may be the Democrats. But guess what? It doesn't matter. There's a lot of hurting people. There's never been a better time for us to shine as lights for Christ in this world that we're living in. And folks, listen. Don't let our politics get in the way of that. Granted, you may have somebody that you want to be in office, and that's fine and good. But you know what? It doesn't matter. Anybody you have to be willing to share with because they are no different than we are. You remember when your life was a mess, and we all need Jesus Christ. We need Jesus Christ more than anything else. Regardless of our election, that has to be our mandate from God, to reach everyone, regardless of who they're affiliated with. It doesn't matter. Who cares? Because this life, this earth is going to end shortly, and yet eternity awaits all of us. What are we going to do with that? Am I not going to witness to you because you voted for somebody I didn't care for? No, I need, to, I need to witness to you because you're a person that God loves. Even if we don't agree on certain things. So what? So what? The level, the playing field has been leveled. We must do that. I love what it says in Psalms, and we'll end here. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. And blessed are the feet of those who give the gospel of peace. Amen? That's what we need to be about. Let's stand. Be a lover of people, folks. Be a lover of God and a lover of people. Don't let the politics get in the way. There's something so much more greater than a president. It's serious. Don't misunderstand me. We need to treat this election with great gravity and with great, you know, I mean, I don't want to undermine that in any way. However, after this earth is gone, we're talking eternity. And that demands a greater level of scrutiny. It demands a greater level of sincerity and gravity on my part because that's ultimately where everyone is going to spend an eternity in heaven or they're going to spend an eternity in hell long after all this stuff is gone. And boy, there's people who need it. They need to hear that truth from us and help us not to alienate them by politics. Something much greater is at stake here. Amen? Father, we thank you for this time. Pray that, God, you would encourage our hearts, strengthen our faith. Lord, help us to be great ambassadors for you, Father. Help us to not be smug. And help us, even if our, uh, the person we may be voting for, even if he wins the election, Father, help us to be careful. God, not rubbing it in people's noses. Not gloating. 
Help us to be humble before you and go way beyond everything else because, Lord, that is the one thing that the world cannot understand is for us to reach beyond all that stuff and say, God loves you and therefore I love you. Can we love God? Can we love people? Help us by your spirit, Lord. Fill us again, strengthen us, baptize us with your spirit. Give us boldness, Lord. Give us your heart for the lost. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our journey through the book of Revelation. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.